Welcome to another episode of the Strive for 25 podcast, where our team is helping people build their financial freedom. And one of the things we talk a lot about is saving and investing 25% of one's income. And I'm your host, Joel Farrell. And each week we dig into the ways that people are generating more income to be able to save more money and the ways that they are investing that hard-earned dollar. And lastly, the how, how people are making these changes. Because again, we're talking about changes. We're talking about changing behaviors. Let's get into today's content so we can help you on your financial journey towards living a life with the power of choice. Welcome to another episode of the Striver 25 podcast. Joel Farrell, your host here. And I posted on Twitter yesterday and had a lot of messages come in um, about the ways to be able to scale a portfolio using residential lending. And so I want to take some time to just kind of go through just some of the array of lending products that are out there. So if you're an aspiring investor or an investor that is in the middle of your journey, knowing what types of tools and products are out there to be able to help navigate, because we know this stuff. And when we're having a conversation with somebody and we just start to go through the different things, it may be a lot to absorb at one time, uh, but this just gives you a little bit of, of a foundation to know what's available out there from a residential side, a commercial lending side, and also kind of this other lending tools that we'll get into in just a second. So um, the the post that I made yesterday, hey, um, what if you could buy three houses for a million dollars in 24 months with zero down? And if you've purchased a home before, uh, first off, a zero down loan, you know, there are not a lot of options out there. There are down payment programs out there, but they typically require you to live in the property for a number of, of years. Um, there are some other loans out there. Uh, USDA is a rural loan, uh, but the requirements are tight to fit into in terms of income and also the geography. So uh, how does this work? Well, I'm going to dig into this in just a, a second. What I want to do is really just dig into um, uh, the blueprint here of the actual options. So you have your primary residence loans and you've got your investment property loans. So I'll start with the primary residence loans. The, the basic three that I have on here is FHA, which is a 3.5% down payment loan, conventional, which is a 5% down loan, and your VA loan for military is a zero, uh, zero down loan. And so if someone is trying to scale and build a portfolio, how does this fit together? Well, you know, the people that are out there, there's a guy by the name of Julian Gordon, who is a multifamily guru, and he believes in multifamily as a way to be able to build wealth and uh, build generational wealth, if you know the formula. And, you know, the FHA loan, real quick, 3.5% down. And if you want to purchase a two-family, a four-family, a three-family, you're still putting 3.5% down because you're going to be living in one of the units and you're saying you're going to live in the unit for 12 months. And then from there, things can uh, redirect and you can go into a different direction and possibly live somewhere else or even buy into the next property if you, if you can qualify. So in terms of context, if I come down here to the conventional loan as an investment property, if you want to purchase a, a, a two to four unit, 
as an investment property, you're putting 25% down. And then on a conventional loan, you're, you need to put, as even if you're going to live in the, in the property, you're going to have to require more money down unless you fit into certain other programs with income guidelines, which um, not, not for this discussion, maybe a different discussion. But the, the, the basic premise is, hey, on an investment property, you're putting more money down. On a, on a multifamily, you're putting 25% down as an investor. So to be able to put down three and a half percent is a is a major win in terms of just minimizing your cash outlay and opens up the barrier to entry to more people. So that four family property, you live in one unit and you rent out the other properties. I'm actually gonna just take a quick scenario and just read it out loud to you. So this is a uh, four family in St. Louis, Missouri in the Northampton, Southampton uh, bridge, um, right right there off of Chippewa. It's a four bed, four bath, 3,400 square foot uh, building. These are shotgun style. So one bed, one bath each. And it's listed at 310. It's 5056 Chippewa Street in St. Louis. So these are going to get probably 600, 650 or so in rent. And so um, this program through MBS Highway spits out twenty four sixty five in in monthly rent from the program, which is actually pretty accurate. Um, and when you take into account some of the other details, uh, property taxes twenty four hundred, monthly insurance one hundred bucks a month, roughly uh, monthly home maintenance. I put in four hundred dollars a month. Property management eight percent. And it, it does this program with MBS Highway does take into account a lot of different factors. Uh, you know, it, it maps out a 10-year horizon in terms of the value that you build in terms of equity and mortgage pay down and values going up and cash flow. So all, all these factors coming into play, again, cash flow, values going up, which is appreciation, the mortgage balance getting paid down. So the way that this is set up is as an investor loan, putting 25% down. So Monthly cash flow in year one is actually a negative $108. And then you start to turn positive in year three and over a 10-year horizon, your total gain is $202,000. $202,000. And you put in initially $77,000 up front as an investor. So your average annual rate of return is 13%. And then your return on investment is 260%. So you're, you're more than uh, tripling your money. So how does this compare back to this FHA scenario of 3.5%? So if someone was going to purchase this property as a primary residence, and we're going to put down... A three and a half percent. So that also means as I'm doing this uh, transaction uh, and updating the data, that means you have to live there for a year. And that scenario for rate on the previous one I had in the mid sevens uh, as an investor, rates for FHA are going to be probably in the fives right now, upper fives. Uh, so there is monthly PMI. And so your cash outlay is, instead of being 77,000, your cash outlay is going to be quite different. And so just doing some quick math here. So the loan amount is going to be about 300,000. 
your cash outweigh uh, closing, um, you're talking, uh, you know, $10,000, $15,000 or so. So quite, quite different uh, cash flow, cash in. Now, the monthly, the monthly cash flow is obviously going to be lower because your, your mortgage balance is going to be higher and your payment's going to be higher. But this is where you're living for a year. And so this analysis assumes that all these properties are rented out. Um, so for just complete sake of, of simplicity, I'm going to leave this the way that it is. And, and after a year, you move out and this becomes a full-time rental. You're talking about the total profit being $175,000 over a, a 10-year period. We'll call it a nine-year period after you uh, turn it into a full-time rental. Or we'll call it an 11-year period, uh, so to speak. Um, so you put $15,000 in roughly. Um, I'm rounding up to $15,000 with closing costs in here. And $15,000 into $175,000. So return on investment? is 1,700%, 1,700%. So you're talking 175,000 and you put in 15,000. You're, you're basically timesing your money by $11,000 in terms of your investment. That You don't get that in the stock market. You don't, you don't get that into normal investments. This is definitely an, what we call an alternative investment. So I want to go back to these other scenarios. So we just went through FHA, right? Three and a half percent down. You buy as a multifamily. What does that mean for the long term? Potentially, it'll be able to turn it into a full time rental after a couple of years. Rent out the the previous unit and have the cash flow come in, appreciation, and mortgage balance pay, pay down. So again, your conventional loan is a five percent down uh, loan for a primary residence on a single unit. Um, and what's unique about VA? is VA is similar to FHA in that you can use it to purchase multifamilies. And the county limits for multifamilies is higher. So that's for a different, uh, that's for a different uh, conversation, um, but that can be powerful as well. And so I'm going to come back to this VA scenario as a primary residence uh, later. I'm going to kind of finish this outline of the different types of lending products. So again, if you're doing a residential conventional loan and you're buying an investment property, 15% down is your minimum, but you are going to have PMI. 20% down is kind of your standard. And then 25% down actually is a major threshold for pricing in terms of the rates being better. So 15%, so 20%, 25%. Each of those is going to have different levels of rates uh, and rate adjustments. And then uh, multi-unit, you're talking 25% down. And obviously no PMI. And so each of those loans, you're going to have to qualify on debt-to-income ratios. And each of these types of loans has different guidelines in terms of um, if you have previous rental properties, you know, tax returns uh, and leases. So on conventional loans, you can use a lease to offset a previous home that's becoming a rental. So if you don't have rental uh, property income uh, on your tax returns, then you know you can use a lease to offset the payment to be able to use it for qualifying. FHA, for example, a home that you're departing, 
that uh, that was a primary residence. Now you're leaving it and turning it into rental. FHA does not allow us to use leases. You have to have, it has to be a rental property for a number of years and on your returns. So that does affect qualifying. And one of the biggest things is that you're going to have to source funds for down payment. You can't use borrowed funds. And now when you get into the commercial side of things, it's a different entity that's providing the loans. It's, it's a different uh, type of loan. So these are going to be loans that are going to be you know, lended to you as a borrower in your own LLC versus, you know, in your personal name for residential loans. And so the traditional commercial product is a five-year balloon, 20-year amortization. Whereas on the lending side for residential, your traditional product is a 30-year fixed. Not going to change. But in this product, the loan comes due every five years. So you have to refinance and restructure. And that was actually well, one of the things that happened in the uh, 08, 09 recession is that values came down so much and the collateral uh, for these loans uh, adjusted and shifted down. And so when these loans were coming due, they were not allowed, they were not able to re renew some of these loans on the commercial side because the collateral came down, they could lend off, they could only lend off of a lower dollar amount. And so uh, property owners that didn't have the cash to put in to reduce the, lo the, the loan amount, you know, defaulted on their loans. So that's just one thing to be aware of. Um, the other product, if you have a track record and a history, then you're going to be able to open up other options like a line of credit. I've got a line of credit on a couple of buildings uh, um, with a couple of local banks. And so it's, it can draw down on it, draw down on it, use it, and then pay down along the way. And then as I pay down and open up the uh, the line availability, I can use it uh, down the road if I need to, if I wanted to be able to use it for other purposes. So your traditional banks, um, your local banks, your Chases, your Wells Fargo City, PNC, um, Busey Bank is a local bank. I mean, those are going to be your your some of the names out there. Every every area, um, SunTrust is one, Truist is another one. There's a lot of you know commercial banks out there. Now you've got kind of this other alternative type of lending that's out there as well. And you know you probably have heard the term hard money, right? So on a spectrum, you're going to have your commercial bank kind of being the, the best rate possible. Your hard money is going to be the highest rates out, you know, the higher rates out there. And, and there are higher rates because there's less track record, less uh, of a strong profile in terms of uh, track record and credit scores or even cash in the deal. And so they're going to be higher rates, more costs at closing. And, you know, those types of deals, you have to get a really, really good deal on a property to be able to make those numbers work. Now, you kind of have this middle ground and I call it private investor uh, money, private investor companies and share states, Lima one energy. These are a couple of the companies that are out there that do this private money and, and they're, they're accessing capital um, kind of in a different market with some of the uh, Goldman Sachs some of the higher end, um, you know, banks that are out there. And so this is kind of an alternative way to access commercial funding. So there are 30 year fixed products in, in this platform. Now they are higher rates, than what you would get on your traditional commercial uh, bank. Um, you have a bridge loan, uh, which is really kind of a different way to be able to say, hey, you know, this is a, a, a short-term, one-year, two-year type of loan, interest only, you know, rates are going to be a little bit higher and you can get into a property, do some work to it, transition it, upgrade it, you know, stabilize rents um, and then be able to refinance in a couple of years into more of a traditional type of product. Then this also kind of... Um, leads into the fix and flip, which is also kind of a bridge loan type of thing too, where, hey, I'm going to put 20% down, maybe 25% down. And then the lending institution 
is going to provide funding for upgrades or renovations. And, you know, at one point in time, there were companies that would lend 100% of the renovations. So let's say you buy a property for 100 grand, you put down 20% and your renovations are going to be $50,000. So basically, you put in $20,000 and then they're lending the $50,000 to you along the way to be able to upgrade, upgrade the property. Now, it does require uh, more of a percentage down in terms of um, uh, the upgrades, the uh, the renovations. So sometimes they want 10%, 20% of the of the upgrades. Uh, uh, the total amount of upgrades, uh, 10, 20% down uh, additional. So that's a fix and flip loan. And again, these are investor loans. These are gonna be done in an LLC. So these are just kind of the basics on some of the investor loans. And again, this is gonna be a very quick um, uh, uh, episode here. I do want to come back to this VA scenario because um, it's something that that you know, you know, some people aren't aware about. Um, but if you're in the military, um, if you're retired uh, veteran, um, you know, the VA loan is powerful. Now, at the same time, a VA loan also has risk to it because you're putting zero down, and you know, for somebody that um, you know is their first time or second time using a, a VA loan and is not retired and getting disability, you're going to have a VA funding fee. And so that puts you into a negative equity situation. So your funding fee on first-time usage is 2.3%. So if you buy a house for $100,000, put zero down, your loan amount is going to be $102,000 and change. So you're starting out with the mortgage balance higher than the value of the house. So there are risks to be aware of that, if, hey, if you can't pay your bills, if, you, you're, if you're short on, on being able to make your house payment, you know, being able to sell it in the first, you know, two, three, four, five years, you know, could, could be a, a problem um, depending on which way values go. So um, always important to be able to know what your budget is, know, knowing, you know, how your finances are working in terms of being able to save, build your emergency funds up for the rainy day, six months of reserves is kind of your blueprint for, you know, your standard to be able to cover all your expenses. Um, but once you bypass all, all those kind of thresholds, you know, and you're able to uh, start to scale and, and build and acquire more properties, that's where things get interesting. So on Twitter, I mapped out this scenario uh, and I'll just paraphrase. Uh, so let's say you've got somebody uh, active duty. Let's say that. And, and the example that I gave was somebody in Virginia Beach, right? Uh, Southern part of Virginia, uh, where the county limits in, in most of the country are 726,000 and change. So the county limit, 726K. In the DC market, the county limit is much higher. And I'll share more about that in a second. So let's say you buy, you know, a veteran who's married, has a, a kid, you know, they buy a home that's, let's just say it's, you know, uh, three beds, two beds, whatever it is for $200,000, no problem. They qualify zero money down, good to go. And in, in, in my uh, post, I, I mentioned in 24 months, so in, in, in the previous uh, uh, note, I mentioned, hey, you have to live in the property for at least 12 months. That's the requirement uh, if you're going to uh, buy it as a primary residence. And so in this scenario, how do you buy three in 24 months? Uh, again, I'll get into this. So let's just say January 2021 rolls around, you buy a house, three bed, two bath for 200K. And all of a sudden, later in 2021, you find out news that uh, your wife and, uh, and yourself are going to be having a baby in 2023. So life is changing, but Hey, you know what? We're going to, you know, wait till the new year rolls around and we're going to purchase a new home. 
So you fit the requirements of 12 months, no big deal. And so you buy a four bed, three bath home for a slightly higher price. And in this example, what did we say? We said 200K and then I think 270K is what we did. Let me see here. Okay, we said 280, 280K, okay. $280,000. So, okay, no no big deal. We, We qualify on income ratios. We get a lease. Underwriting allows us to use a lease on the old property. To qualify, that's a whole nother story. Um, but we buy this property for 280, zero down, we're good to go. And so you have total financing out there for $480,000. And then the end of 2022 rolls around and you get news that you're going to be PCSing to Northern Virginia at the Pentagon, Quantico, uh, maybe um, Andrews Air Force Base, somewhere in that area. And so now you need to buy you want to buy a new property in uh, the new duty station. Again, for those out there that don't know uh, what PCSing means, it's basically just relocation. So in that scenario, you know, how, how can you use another VA loan? Because the, the, the rule of thumb out there is that you can only have one VA loan at a time. Well, it all comes down to entitlement. And the simplest way to explain this is kind of a backwards way. And this isn't the way that the VA calculates it, but this is the simplest way because it's all about VA entitlement. And the VA guarantees 25% of a loan. So um, in this scenario, the county limit for 2022 was just over $646,000. So if you take those those that, that second loan that we did for 280, 200,000 plus 280, that totals 480. So we're still below the county limit of 646. So cool. So 480 of 646, that's only a you know, what is that? A couple hundred thousand dollars difference. And then now we're going to go into 2023 and then we're going to buy a home that's going to be close to what? $600,000 to get us to a million. And we're going to be able to do that with zero down. How, how is that possible? Well, two things. One, uh, Northern Virginia, the DC area, it's a high cost area. It's high cost, meaning that the county limit uh, in 2022 was actually 970,000, I do believe, change. So you can purchase a home with a conventional loan, 5% down, um, FHA loan, 3.5% down, VA loan, zero down. Now the VA, if you have no, no loans out there, the VA allows you to go to technically unlimited number of price point. You can go to a million, two million with zero down. The VA uh, has no restrictions on that if you have no loans out there. Uh, But lenders will have restrictions on how much they'll go to in terms of total loan amount. So back to the scenario. So 646 is the county limit for the country in 2022. The high cost limit in the DC area was 970. Now, there's other areas out there like LA County is one example. That's a high cost area. That's uh, similar. So going into 2023, these levels shifted as prices have gone up across the country. So the national number is $726,000 and change. And then now the high cost limit in the DC market is 1.089, I think is what it is. 1.089 and 300. So that's shifting that threshold up that we can maybe purchase on a VA loan and have zero down. So 
I'm going to do just some backwards math on this. So 1.089 minus the 200,000 minus the 280. So technically that puts us at around 609,000 roughly of purchase power using a VA loan with zero down. And so for this scenario that I mapped out on Twitter, this is actually what they did. They purchased a $600,000 home, four bed, three bath, and they did it in Springfield, Virginia, which is a little bit further out from DC, uh, out I-95. Um, and that price range you know, fits for them. And now they have two rental properties that they're going to hold for the long term uh, with low interest rates because uh, they, pur they purchased in 21 and the beginning of 2022. So Alexandria, Arlington, you know, are a couple areas that are very, very expensive. You know, if you want to buy a three bed, um, two bath home, you're talking probably $700,000, $700,000, give or take range. Um, and, and those, the, the, the DC market, the prices are high, right? And, and the way that I try to explain this, and I'll use this just in my own hometown, you know, there's a, a couple pockets of, of areas that are very, very expensive. Uh, here in St. Louis, you have Clayton, you have Ledoux, um, Kirkwood's also a pretty high priced area. And so a million dollars for a home in these areas, you know, is, is very different than, you know, um, that, that, that home in, in Clayton, right. That's 2,500 square feet, you know, maybe it's a million dollars in 20 miles West in a different uh, city or municipality, maybe it's a $400,000 house or $300,000 house. Very, very much different in, in terms of the prices because of the geography and the, um, the demand for wanting to be in these centrally located areas and good school districts, you know, Clayton, has a, a downtown area that has a lot of uh, corporate dollars that come in as well. So take that Clayton, Clay, take that Ledoux and in and, 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 and comparison to the DC market and imagine that high priced area throughout the entire metro area, let's just say of St. Louis. So, you know, you got St. Louis city, you've got the county inside of 270 um, and then you've got some of the outside counties uh, or cities that are outside of 270 and uh, St. Charles and St. Peter's and Baldwin and Arnold and, and beyond. And so imagine that entire metro area, you know, to buy a, you know, single family house, three bed, two bath, 1,800 square feet. Imagine paying $700,000, $800,000 for that house um, when you're 30 miles outside of the city center. So that's just a kind of a rough example of how uh, these high cost areas uh, work in terms of uh, just trying to relate it. So uh, we're going to end the episode here. This just gives you a very quick rundown on some of the lending products that are out there, how they work together. Um, we did provide a quick scenario on VA and how to scale using a VA loan. Again, there's a lot of details that go into this that uh, we didn't get through that, uh, that matter <laughs> in terms of the risk and reward and assumptions that go into it. Um, so if you have questions on this, um, let us know. We can get, you know, obviously on the lending side, we do this. There are all other lenders that we know too, that we can help guide you to, but uh, take care and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Strive for 25 podcast. If you're ready to jumpstart your financial journey and take it to the next level, you may want to join our 30 day habit challenge, which you can find on our website, strive for 25.com strive F-O-R, the number 25.com. You can also follow us on YouTube and Instagram by searching strive for the number 25. And if you have any questions and want to reach out to us, you can also connect with us on our website. Thank you so much.